Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start liberating dreams one episode at a time. For those of you who know why you came, thanks. For those of you who got dragged here, thank you. Um, We are so excited to launch. A year ago, we launched Liberty, which was a podcast, Liberty Sessions. Check it out. It's the most amazing podcast, right? That's right. That's right. And we interview these amazing entrepreneurial women, and they tell their story, and they tell the truth, and they tell you how to do what they do. Um, and then we were like, we got to do something else. We want to give somebody else, some, um, some people, another opportunity with another platform. Why don't we use paper and give people the opportunity to jot down their ideas and what they're excited about and what their possibilities could be. And when I dreamed of who could be on the cover, I dreamed of this woman, Claire Vivier. And I thought, <clears throat> I'm starting out. I probably shouldn't dream so big. Let me, let me go for like the lower hanging fruit. And None of those people are here today, so I'm not offending anyone. But instead, I was compelled to just reach out, and um, I sent in... No, I called, and I actually spoke to Julia, and Julia's not here. And um, she kindly took my call, and she kindly connected me to Claire, and Claire responded. So thank you for saying yes, and thank you for putting words into actions. When women need to help women, you actually made this a reality, so... Thank you for asking me. It was my first cover ask. So <laughs> I, I sent it to my PR in New York, and I was like, this is a cover. I think we should do this, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it was for women entrepreneurs, which, of course, I'm always very passionate about. So yeah, it was awesome. And that was on the heels of her being in Vanity Fair, so lucky us, right? Yeah, it was But not cool. the cover. Not the cover. Not yet. Not yet. So then when Claire and I were talking, she's like, hey, what if we brought some of my really cool friends and we made this an even cooler night? And I'm thinking, let me be the judge of if they're your really cool friends, Claire. Let, let me decide. Then she tells me that it's Emily and Merritt. Do you, who remembers current Elliot Jeans? Yeah. Okay. You're my people. Um, all of you are too young, the, other, the rest of you. And then they just kept going on and on to do more and more and more things, like develop lines for Pottery Barn, like start their own brand. And then now they just launched a store two weeks ago, one week ago, called The Great on Melrose. What's the address? 8670, next to Earth Cafe. <laughs> We'll, we'll shout it out. We'll shout out the address. And so they decided last minute to join us so that they can tell um, all of us their entrepreneurial story. So we'll get started. So Claire, what did you do before you launched Claire V? And what prompted you to launch a handbag line? Thank you for having everyone here tonight. And thanks for putting me on the cover. I did so many things before I launched this company, but the thing that kind of directly led me to launching the company was I was working as a journalist for French television with my husband, who's a French journalist for television. 
And we were working together. We were traveling a lot, and I needed a laptop bag. And there were no cute laptop bags. And I knew how to sew, and I had a basic sewing machine. And so I started sewing padded envelopes for laptops. And I was thinking, why are there no cute laptop bags? And so I um, thought, this there's a hole in the market here. I really think that there we need cute laptop bags and we need cute work bags for women. So that's what I was doing kind of somewhat before I started the company. But I had a lot of other jobs that led me to this. To this Did you think position. that in doing that, that you wanted to be a handbag designer? Or were you just like, I'm irritated that I don't have a laptop bag, and so I'm going to make one? Well, be very clear, I loved fashion. And I did not know how. I thought, I, I went to school, I was an English major, and I thought I was going to be a writer. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be a fashion journalist. And then I realized I live in California, and all the magazines were in New York. And I thought, okay, well, this isn't really the right place to be to be a fashion journalist um so when I had this idea to start making bags without formal training of design school but I did know how to sew I learned as a little girl and continued to sew throughout my life um I thought this is a great idea I love fashion and I love this world and if I can do this create my own company working in this world I, I that was that would have been amazing at the time. And where were you first selling your stuff when you started? I started with my own website um, very early on. So that's then my f first account was Mohawk General Store in Los Angeles because they were down the street wow. from me. Um, literally a half a block away from my house when they started on Mohawk Street. And um, I was really excited about their aesthetic when I would peer in the window as they were building out their store. And I was like, what is this cool store? This store is really cool. I don't know who they are, but they have great aesthetic. And so the moment they opened their doors, I went and said, hi, I have a bag line. Can you sell it? <laughs> and they said, they said, show us what you have. And they liked it. And they were my first account in Los Angeles, and Stephen Allen was my first account in New York. Those are impressive first accounts. But I love that it was just, okay, that matches something I want to have my bags in, that aesthetic matches, and let me just go talk to a human being. Like, what a, not, a concept, right? Like, let me go talk to that person. Okay, Merritt and Ellie, and Emily, you have to take this together. Um, you guys have known each other for decades, and that's weird because you're like only 20 years old. Um, <laughs> tell us how, how you met and then how you guys have had this insane partnership for all these years. It's actually really impressive. How did you meet? Okay, well, Start we there. met at UCLA as students. Um, we are both sociology majors and um, we really fell in love with each other as friends um, over vintage denim because at the time everyone was wearing very low rise very low-rise jeans um, <laughs> with a lot of sparkled, bedazzled things going on. And we really liked to wear Levi's and we were like Wranglers. And so we would go to the flea markets together and we kind of just bonded over fashion um, at the time. 
And so are you now graduating and thinking, let's start something together? So we had a fast friendship and we had a great group of girlfriends who still to this day, we all get together all the time and support each other. And we have such a great friendship. But we sat next to each other at graduation um, and we we didn't sit together. We got seated together at graduation. And um, the whole time we were just gabbing about what are we going to do and what we were going to and we thought, well, we should do something together. We really, we like each other. We have the same aesthetic and we should do something together. Um, But we didn't start anything right away. We just kind of were talking about it that day. And so then when did you guys begin the first partnership? So we started styling together. Um, We both took different jobs um, in the fashion industry. Here in LA? Here in LA. I was doing visual merchandising and Merritt was doing fashion writing, um, and um, for a few years, a couple years, and then we started um, our styling company, which we would, we started with bands and music mostly, but we, um, for many years, and we still sometimes style, um, and, you know, we started this company called Mod. Um, at the time, there weren't a lot of styling teams, and we decided we were going to have an alter ego named Maud, and she was this like old lady stylist apparently. Um, but we had branding, and we had like buttons and stickers, and it was like Maud, and Maud loves you, and I love Maud, and it was she was just it was it was this amazing <laughs> concept that we had. But we had a lot of really great music clients, and we we got an agent right away. We built a book, and we um, have spent a long time styling which really got us to hone in on what exactly we wanted to do creatively within the fashion industry. How do you get your first, like, rock star client? Do you call and say, hello, is Beyonce there? Like, what do you... <laughs> you marry one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so my, uh, my late husband, he passed away in 2009, but we met at UCLA, um, and we were all best friends, and he got signed to Interscope Records. And um, he said, I, we, the guys and I, like, we're doing a photo shoot and we don't want to be styled by anyone because that's super weird because we're rock stars and we wear ripped clothes. And so we said that you and Emily are going to do it. And we're like, okay, okay, we'll do it. And we were so young. And so we said, then all of a sudden we're on the phone with the creative director at Interscope Records having this conversation, taking notes. And we're like, mm-hmm, yes, we know what we're doing. Yes, okay. Um, and so we we nailed it because we didn't know what we were doing and we were just fearless and we got great vintage clothes and got things tailored and they were happy and that photographer hired us for another job and the art director hired us for another job and I think a lot was because we were scrappy and maybe didn't know the rules. Yeah. And I think um, we maybe brought some fresh energy and and then we just kept saying yes and we worked seven days a week, 15 hours a day and um, that's what you do. <laughs> and then one thing led to another and then that became... Br- Clothing brands caught on to um, us and through our agent and and celebrities and whatnot. And and then that turned into consulting jobs, kind of bigger scale partnerships with brands that then turned into us designing our own line. I know I just made that really short, but that really did was kind of like one thing left to led to another. We you'd meet so many people on one job sure. and then they would leave that job and think of you at the next one and call you, and that's just kind of how this industry works, so always be nice to everybody. Yeah. I actually got um, a text earlier today from one of my dear high school friends. <laughs> She's like, how do you know Emily and Merritt? And she used to work with you guys at Pottery Barn, so it is a really small world. That's very funny. Um, so Claire, I want to ask you, 
Um, there's no shortage of handbags in the world. And yet you somehow and your brand, Claire V, have found a way to carve out this niche that um, is very identifiable, very you. Um, and a lot of us in this room are trying to do the same thing in our respective industry. We're trying to carve out something, and it's a really noisy space, and social media tends to make it even noisier. What's your advice to us um, who are trying to create that space and trying to create that strong brand and identity? What's your advice to all of us? A lot of different things. Okay, so first of all, keep in mind or think about what's the size of company you want? Do you want a small company, which is a great thing, like a small company you can run out of your house? Or do you want a mid-sized company or do you want like a mega company? Because if you really have that in mind when you're starting out, or even just to know what you think your potential is. And then I always say that the very um, most important thing is showing up in consistency. And I think that really is the difference. I think that's what Emily and Merritt have done is, and it's what I've done for any amount of success that I've had is just been showing up and have been here every single day and the, the consistency and the belief, the belief in your product, the belief in your company is, it's, it's everything. Um, so my advice would be to Keep in mind what's the vision of your company. How big do you want it to be? Um, just continue to show up every single day and believe in your product and your and your company. Well, can I ask you something? Because yeah. when we were talking, and I, I, I don't know if it was in the interview, it must have been, but you said something about um, not following the trend and kind of believing in yourself. And then I think a friend of yours or something right, said, said something, spoke some wisdom into that. Um, can you articulate that a little bit? Is that a true story or did I make that up? It is a true story. Okay. Um, um, I, as, if you're not familiar with the line, like take a look at the website later and see it. But it's a very, um, one of the signature aspects of the line is it's pretty, oh, it's also right all around yeah. you. So you can <laughs> take around. a look. <laughs> but um, you can, it's very simple and kind of interesting designs but very the 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 primary element is that I have to keep things simple because everything is manufactured in LA and to keep costs down I had to have this equation of simplicity but it also that really just suited me very fine because I have a very classic um, sensibility and a very like simple sensibility in the in design so that that has worked to my advantage in producing in Los Angeles um, but at the time when I started I was making laptop envelopes they're basically like bigger clutches and iPhone pouches that were kind of drawstring drawstring pouches with lined with chamois cloth that would like rinse you know wash off your phone while, while it was wiggling around in the pouch. Um, but all very simple designs. And at the time, the most popular bag on the market was Balenciaga's Trigger Bag, which had studs and it had uh, things hanging from it. All I mean, it was like everyone was emulating the Trigger Bag from Balenciaga. And my bags look nothing like that. And I took, very first time I took my line to Paris to market, 
um, I shared a space with another designer, and Barney's came to look at the line, and she really, she really liked it. The buyer from Barney's was like, I really like this. I really want this iPhone pouch, but I'm, I can't buy it for Barney's. And I was like, well, why? And she said, because it's not what our customer's looking for right now. Our customer's really driven by this you know, over-embellished, kind of what you guys were seeing at the time as well, over-embellished bag. And and I thought, when they when she left, I felt really defeated, even though I, it was a compliment that she wanted it and she really liked it. Um, I felt really defeated, and I said to the other designer I was with, shit, do you think I should start putting, like, studs and stuff on my bags? Like, is this, should I start doing it? She was like, no. Just stay true to your own designs, and it'll eventually come around. And I was like, okay, thanks. Like, that's what I needed to hear, and that only one person has ever told me that, and that has really stuck with me, and that's what I've done ever since. Yeah, I think that's, that's great advice for all of us to stick to that thing that we do well and that thing that is so identifiable. Getting to know Claire just a little bit, I can see her in the bags in a lot of ways. There's that little bit of whimsy. There's that little quirky like sensibility, that is classic. That is, the through line is that. And um, it feels like it's so you. And if only all of us could have brands that felt like it was they were so us, right? Um, whether that's a service, whether that's a product, whatever. So thanks for that. Okay, Merit, can you remember one story or moment, decision, something you experienced when you first started that makes you laugh now in retrospect? Well, we were we saw this question earlier, and we were riffing. And I mean, I think I think looking back in our in the journey to where we are now, I mean, uh, all the lines we've created, and particularly the great, is all about just kind of like worn, casual, relaxed. Most of our stuff is made in America as well, clothing. But um, the journey to get there was kind of kind of funny because through styling, you do a lot of really interesting jobs and. We're, but they all kind of do inform to where you where you are. And so I was riffing and sharing some stories with somebody in the office, and she's like, you have to tell that story. It's really funny. And there's actually two stories. And one is just that, like, we worked so hard, you guys. We worked so hard um, because we had to pay our own bills, and we were, we were just making it up as we went along. So we spent a lot of time in the mall, a lot of time in the mall, <laughs> because we were just going from store to store to do studio service pools for whatever job we were doing. Like it was a Fila advertisement, and there's this new musician was doing a video, and then we did a favor for a friend on the weekend, and yada yada. So we're going to store to store, and like we just drank coffee and ate fried plantains like every day. <laughs> we just so went from specific. like food court right, to yeah. I don't oh, know yeah. why it was in our head like we just were really into fried, and we both just started getting the worst like acid reflex, like the worst. <laughs> And I guess I guess the lesson there being is that we were young enough to know that you need balance to be a really good worker. But we always laugh at the time. We're like, remember when now here we have like our green juice and like our 36 ounce water because we're like, you know, work athletes. But, you know, at the time you're just like, but then and the other funny story was just we styled a lot of people and I laugh now because I'm still doing this very same thing, but I always end up being the person that's trying on the clothes. Um, so I'm like so many pictures of me, like my face cut off in so many rooms. And um, we had said yes to doing the Pussycat Dolls tour. I don't know if you guys know yeah. who they are. Which again started from the same place we start now. It's like we were digging in vintage costume warehouses, which we, by the way, still do when we design. And, um, 
and there's pictures of me in, if you guys can imagine, with the pussycat dolls, <laughs> where it's not at all how I dress, but it's like boost days and like high-waisted briefs and like fishnet stockings. But for some reason, it's the only photos that keep going from my iCloud account to every <laughs> device I own. So like my child will be on. She's like, Mom, <laughs> what are these me. pictures That's of you? That's not me. But I guess, I guess the moral of that story is um, as much as you change in your job, your process doesn't change all that much. And so the fact that we were back then digging in like Warner Brothers costume houses and flea markets looking for like old headpieces, we're actually still doing that today in a different way. And, and, it, and while it may seem unrelated to where you want to be, it's all relevant. And, um, and just find the humor in the process because there is a lesson along the way. But we laugh at that now because like, it's just the things that we did, and here I am still taking pictures with my head cut off, and it's ridiculous, but those pictures are priceless. Are you still eating plantains? Um, no, we, no. I, okay. since then, none. No more, no more. <laughs> um, okay, Emily, um, you guys just opened a store. We just talked about that. And again, we'll have the address on both our social media and on, on the website. Um, why did you guys decide, in this climate in particular, to open a brick and mortar when so many people are... Not. So many people are trying to take everything online and make that retail experience solely um, an online experience. I mean, it's a really great question, and, and, um, and I don't have the perfect answer. But, but what I can say is that we really believe in branding and brand. And we really believe in touching and feeling product because softness is, is a pillar of our brand. So how we wash something, um, how we... How we you know, dye something, how many times it's been tumbled with what kind of stone. Like, those are really important things to us. And when we watch women shop of all these years at the mall, um, this is how women shop. I mean, mm -hmm. you walk into a store and you touch. And um, so, I mean, that's always stuck with us, I think. And I think as, you know, we've built multiple brands now. And as we started The Great, um, which is such a soulful project for us and such an important project for us because really we've put it all in. We've really leaned into this, this brand in all ways. Um, we really, we really built out the website and the, and the online experience to be, to be a really important portal for the brand. Um, and it's been really successful for us. And as we've watched our direct business grow, and we also have wholesale business as well, um, we've seen how the customer, how they buy. And we'll see someone potentially find a t-shirt that they like and then come to our online store and buy it in every color. Or we'll start to see trends of how people are, are like getting involved with our line. And we felt like retail and, and physical brick and mortar was an extension of our direct business and was an extension of our of our website and um you know it was a, it was a it was a very hard decision to make to do it but it's the best decision we ever could have made we're so proud of this space i think to have to to you know we do a lot of interior stuff as well but to have to create an interior space that was a representation of a clothing brand was a new challenge for us and um, you know, being entrepreneurial and all the things that we do, this was like starting a new business to, mm -hmm. to open a store. I mean, to have to figure out all of the POS systems and all of the different things that we've never done before, it was new. And I think it was a personal challenge that was really fulfilling for us. Okay. This is not on here. Can I ask another question? Yeah, yeah. What, what, so you guys had been doing the various Pottery Barn lines. Mm -hmm. You guys have had had the denim mm -hmm. line. Yeah. You guys had done some other collaborations. You'd done some styling. What other itch were you trying to scratch? Like, you've, you've done so much. What was it about the great that was unique 
or different or satisfied something in you as an entrepreneur? Well, you know, I think, okay, so in our trajectory of what we've done, we were stylists for many, many years. We consulted on brands, which I think when once we started to realize that there was something more to consulting than styling, because you could actually dig into the, an, an apparel business and, and move the needle. You could be an outside perspective and come in and say, wow, I really like what you're doing. I like what your brand's about, but I think you're missing X, Y, and Z. And by adding those things, we can help your business. And I think as that turned into Curran Elliott, which was a surprise success for us, I think, because we were so disruptive in, at that time in denim and we weren't really expecting it to be what happened. Um, you know, that created this whole other um, platform for us to, to design, to actually physically design, to come up with ideas, to, with collections, to shoot them in a lookbook and to create a brand. And um, when that company sold and we started consulting and styling again, um, we kind of knew we wanted to design again, and we wanted to do it on our own terms and in a very specific way. We wanted to empower our team. We wanted to have a team that was really excited about a brand that had ethics that were in line with theirs and could... It was just a really important goal for us to build a brand and a business that was in line with what we wanted to do for the rest of our lives. And the great was that for us. And it was multi-category, so it wasn't just specifically denim or specifically one category. And um, I just it was always in us. I think we always wanted to do it. So it was a really important next step for us. I think it's cool for us to hear um, so many of us who have done something and maybe we liked that something we did, and maybe we didn't, um, or we're ready for something new, that there is more. There's more inside, and to sort of answer that call. Yeah, I mean, and just to elaborate, like, I think that when I look back at what we've done, I think I wish I could tell myself that there's just always more, and not to identify so heavily with one moment, mm -hmm. or one bag, or one pair of jeans, or one line even, that you're so much bigger than that, and being multifaceted and doing more than one thing really is um, a positive thing, not yeah. a negative. It's not, um, what's that saying? Jack of all, master of none, or whatever. Yeah. I don't believe in any of that. Like, I think you can be, excellent at multiple things and really that one thing can impact another thing and make that thing even better. Were you excellent one thing at a time or no. were you, you were excellent all at once? I mean I'm not saying we're perfectly excellent <laughs> so, but okay give the mic to someone else because we're feeling we're stressed. excellent no. at everything. No 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 um, no I hear no, you. No but you know Thanks I think we, honesty, we've yeah. been more we've been excellent at more things because yeah. of the other and yeah. that it's, it's important not to just for uh, for me to look back to not just hang my hat on one thing and to keep going. Yeah. I love that. I love hearing. No, don't make that face. That was awesome. <laughs> okay, you can pass it to Claire, actually. So um, you talked about being committed to making your bags in L.A., and it's a, like, straight-up, legit commitment. Um, I, it's on a lot of your stuff. I was uh, lucky enough to get a bag as a gift from my sweet husband, who's in the back. Um, and the, the way it arrived was amazing. I have to say, you could teach a branding uh, school. But the, the little little bit on the bottom that says made in LA. There's something about it that I was like, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that people, that everybody that touched this um, is local and everybody that touched this um, is a part of our community. And I want to know why when these amazing bags could be made overseas and you could increase your margin and your bottom line could look different. Why have you stayed committed to um, having them made in LA? What's that about? 
Well, I started off, it just was a necessity. I didn't have any experience in production. When I stopped sewing and my design desires surpassed my abilities, then I went looking for production in Los Angeles, having an inkling that um, there was a manufacturing industry in, in this area. So I, I just went looking and asking around and asking and asking until I found my first factory um, and started working with that factory. They were wonderful with me. I, we still use them to this day. Um, but they let me come every single day and work with them. And um, that's not typical, I think, especially in overseas factories that are used to doing a really heavy, high-volume production. When you are welcomed into a small factory and you're welcome in to just come every day and work with them, that's a, it was a really special experience. And... Um, that's how I grew the company for quite a while. We we used just that one factory for a couple of years. Um, when I say a couple of years, I mean from when the fact <laughs> the timeline is confusing. But I hired my <laughs> first employee in 2010, and she came to work at my house with me. And she, uh, the two of us, used to drive out to this factory, take turns who was going to go out to the factory each and every day. Um, but um, I'm I'm just giving you this background because it's I'm not I I want to say that I didn't start off by producing in California by because of any kind of um principle. It was really out of necessity and I didn't realize how important it was until I had grown the company. Probably we had about 3 right now we use 5 factories in LA, but we had about 3 at the time and I remember having a conversation with my dad who has since passed away, um, but he said to me, and it's kind of interesting when things come from an older generation sometimes, when he was like, you know, you're creating jobs in your community. That's really important. And I will always remember that he said that to me because it was my first realization that I was like, oh, that is really cool and really important. And since then... <laughs> this is kind of like my last story where someone says something to me and it makes me realize something, but I guess that's how life is sometimes. But it's he said that to me, and then I thought, this is really cool, and we can do this. There are factories in, in L.A., and we from there having two factories doing leatherworks to two or three more factories that do leatherworks, we've been able to grow it of a pretty significant size. We have seven of our own stores. We have a big web e-commerce site. We have 150 accounts around the world. So all of that being made in the U.S., in California, yeah. we're creating a lot of jobs, and that has come to mean so much more to me over the years. Yeah, I think that's so cool. Can I say something that... I, I'm not sure the timing on this. Yeah, right? So with my fancy bag with my Alistair bag. Um, I was in uh, Nordstrom, at, and this is a week ago, Sophia, and uh, the, the employees in the handbag department accosted me. And they're like, what bag is that? Where'd you get that bag? What's that bag? Um, and I was like, it's Claire Vivier, <laughs> she's my friend. Um, and they said that they're gonna start carrying your line and that they were each like, we already know the bag that we're gonna get. We already know the bag that we're gonna carry that we've already pre-purchased. And I didn't know that you were going into Nordstrom. Yeah, we've been in Nordstrom for a while. I so, felt like probably two years. 
Are you just going into more Nordstroms? Yeah, more Nordstroms. Yeah. Okay. So coming coming to a Nordstrom near you. Yeah. That's awesome. That's Thank awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Nordstrom is a good account. Yeah. Did but you guys work I with add, Nordstrom? Are we out of time? No. Can I add something no. to what yeah. Emily was saying yeah. about their store and why I think it's so cool they opened one? Because she kind of addressed it, but it's the, the fact that you're going to... I haven't been there yet, but I've seen pictures and it's ridiculously beautiful and it took a long time for them to open it and it was well worth it from the photos that I've seen. Um, and I think I'm really excited that they opened. We have a store in West Hollywood, so it's our, it's close to us as well. But it, I'm, I know retail is having a hard time and believe me, we were in it. We have seven stores. We know what it's like to, to hear it all the time and to see what happens each and every day with the amount of customers that go in your store. But I think it's really important to continue to have retail stores because I, I don't, I love fashion and I love shopping. When I go to different cities, that's the thing that I want to do. I, when I go to London, I, I'm, I will go shopping before I will go to the Tate. I want to go to the Tate, and I want <laughs> and I want to eat at the wonderful restaurants and see the the all the sites. But um, I want to shop, and not only are they great for people visiting cities, but also great for communities. Yeah. Just. When you're on the weekends and you live in West Hollywood, you want to just stay in West Hollywood and you want to just browse the stores and, and patronize the stores. So I really think it's important. I know we all love e-commerce and it makes everything very simple for us, but I'm a big defender of keeping retails in, no, in our local community. And I think, I mean, in terms of what retail can do for the experience of it all, right, this this notion of bringing people together but also having an experience the touching that you were talking about but we can't really live behind some sort of screen I'm excited to see this because they have yeah. amazing taste and uh, what I've seen of course has been a amazing but their products are extremely um, tactile you want to touch them and they're so soft and lovely so I'm really excited to awesome. see this we're gonna we're gonna cool do that, we're right? gonna do something at the great I yeah I want to just gonna... see it I don't want to just see it a few pieces at Nordstrom I want to see the, whole, the thing. whole thing yeah I love that are you ready you're ready for, yeah are you ready for everybody to come running to your store okay so Emily this is for you what piece of advice would you share, and there's some people in this room who are considering this, with someone who wants advice on how to choose a business partner? You know, we get asked a lot about our partnership, and we always laugh because um, we say, like, do men partners get asked about their partnership? Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question, right? You can clap. Whoever's yeah. Clapping, you can clap. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, and how do you balance it all is the other question we get, which I don't think men ever get that question. And which, what other one? What was? Oh, do you fight? We get that oh. one too. Not, and men don't get asked that. So we're, anyway, we're changing the, the dialogue just here today. Um, but it is an important question because we are changing it right now. This generation is. And um, I think that we are women who grew up competing with each other. Some of you guys are much younger, but, um, you know, kind of in class and on sports. And then something happened like five, 10 years, five years ago, maybe, where all of a sudden we realized that when we work together, we were stronger. And I mean, I'll give the women as a whole and friends. No, I'm talking about women as a whole and entrepreneurs and business. Yeah. Emily and I are much stronger. No, but I, I, I guess, I guess, um, 
on a micro level, Emily and I have believed this for many years, but on a macro level, and I'll give the example that when we open, wanted to open our store, we called Claire and asked for advice and we needed help building a website and we called you. I mean, like we realized that maybe 10 years ago that that wasn't really what mm -hmm. you did. You were kind of like, well, geez, how do we find out her? You know, but now all of a sudden we lean on each other. Well, Emily and I identified it that a long time ago because we really kind of just made each other better creatively and as people. And, um, we realized that fashion's a really hard job and running a business is a really hard job. And we had some really hard, dark moments um, in the journey um, and in our lives. And we couldn't have done it without each other. That's just the, the truth. Um, and also two people, you know, makes you twice as successful and twice as fast and twice as fun, I guess. Um, we, we multitask, we balance a lot of projects. And um, we also balance in life like you know, she's like my daughter's first day of summer camps today. And I'm like, it's cool. I got this fitting, you know, and vice versa. So how awesome to have that because um, I always say <laughs> she's the best wife I've ever had. Yeah, we should, we should all have that, um, actually. But it is, and it has turned to an important less um, kind of dialogue that I've had. I have a 13-year-old daughter that, um, I'm going to cry when I say this, but she wrote us a letter mm. about how she's so proud of us opening the store and I have to share it with you because it's going to make you cry. But I realize how cool that she can now turn to her friends and say like, what do you want to do? You know, what should we do together? That's cool and interesting. We're good at this together. Let's have fun. So I feel so lucky that we're able to influence people in that way. So, um, and just by everyone being here is an example of women supporting women. And I'm so proud and impressed by this incredible group of people. You have some amazing friends and I do have Bravo, some amazing geez. friends. I'm, yeah. Can you all come to our store? I want yes, to know you all. Yes, yes. Um, but anyway, that that is the long of that the answer. But how I chose Emily is because she was the best dressed girl on campus, and I just said, <laughs> "This girl is going to be my partner." <laughs> and so much more. And so, so much more. more. <laughs> well, okay. So now I'm actually going to ask you, Emily. So um, this I had this switched around, and I was going to ask Merit this. So are you ready? Can yeah, I? Okay. Can I? I don't okay. Know. I so. um, when you guys do have, I, I'm not going to say fight, when you guys do have differing opinions, and I would ask a man this, by the way, um, or any conflict arises, um, how have you, over the years, or perhaps it was your inclination because it's just who you both are, but how have you come to resolve not even just conflict, but differences of opinion, or whose decision or whose opinion trumps, do you take turns? Like, you're not always on the same page, so how does that yeah. work? Well, you know, we don't fight and when we don't we do have conflict but they're creative conflicts and so to us they're positive so it's like working through something to get to the same finish line um i mean all of what we've done has been sort of collective so like if for example if we're designing a pair of pants we both try them on we pull them high we pull them low i'm 53 she's 59 like we just play and we argue about like well don't you think it should be lower well maybe it should be higher should we take the waist in like it's a big thing um but it's positive because we're we're getting somewhere and um there's not really somebody who trumps the other I think it, it's just it just works it's always worked we have like a really awesome marriage of sorts and um I feel very lucky for that um but I we really sincerely don't fight um or really argue have you have you met other business partners that have said like 
okay, like we need some advice because we don't know, yes. we're not going to make it through Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Right. Yes. I mean, it's not an easy situation to be in. And I think we just, it was the perfect storm. I mean, you know, there are some partnerships that work wonderfully where both people are creative. And there are some partnerships that work wonderfully when one person's business minded and the other's creative. And we get asked a lot, like, do you, how do you divide your time? Like, or how do you divide your roles? Are you more right brain mm -hmm. and you more left brain? But we're both similar. We're both creative and we're both business minded. And so we have similar skill sets. I mean, there are there are things that I would lean on Merit more for, and I just identify she's an excellent writer. And so if there's a, something we need to write, I would probably be like, you do that. Or, you know, there's certain things that she'll lean on me for, but um, it's almost we don't even speak anymore. A, a task comes up, and the person who's the best suited for it in that moment just takes it on. So it's sort of this language that we have. It seems to me, though, that as individuals, you are secure. To be, I mean, to be able to be in that situation and that you have a lot of mutual respect for one another. And that seems to be probably the bedrock of all the other creative decision making is having those things intact um, oh, yes, to begin absolutely. with. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, thanks for that. Um, okay, Claire, according to, this is another one for women. So according to all these small business statistics, women are launching at two times the rate of men, which is amazing but we're also failing faster. Now, if you just look at the math, we're failing more because we're launching more, right? So it's just a numbers game. Mm -hmm. But what do you think we can do? Thanks guys who showed up, but for the most part, there's a bunch of women in this room who can do what? To support, encourage, help. I mean, I loved that you said that you guys called Claire when you were thinking about the store and the website, but what kinds of things can we do to change that statistic? and to create more success stories like yours. Support female-led brands. Uh, there was a really great article in the New York Times recently by Aunt, uh, Friedman, what's her name? Vanessa Friedman. It's a really great article on, C on uh, what's happening with fashion brands and why there are so few that are actually led by women when women are the consumers of these brands. And she ends the article by saying, well, you know what we can do? We can support fashion brands that are led by women. And I was like, oh my God, I love this article. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good, right? Um, I think that's one thing. Um, what else were you asking? I it's lost all my that. I mean... Letting, oh, one of the things yeah. I, I learned, I've heard a statistics recently that said something like women are launching brands at a m faster rate than men are, but the rate of women-owned companies over the $2 million mark is far fewer. So it's a lot of cottage industry, um, br small brands. Um, which is not a negative thing at all because small brands are wonderful and a lot of us support a lot of small brands. But um, but I do think it's really interesting that women are not breaking the the multi-million and then billion dollar uh, mark. Not yet. Not yet. I mean, at the same rate. And I think we're on track to do that. Uh, I also was listening to a podcast recently with Tina Brown. She mm -hmm. was on The New Yorker. Did you re listen to that? No. And she said, there's this great quote by her where she says something like, well, women have to work at a, we're working at a gold standard in a, in a silver world. Like women do still have to work in twice as hard in business 
to get to the level that men are and it works in the finance and we're talking about the finance world like we're talking about the technology world we're talking about all of these industries that we have to perform at and i do still think that there is a a, a level of of sexism that exists that just yeah. it just does i had a weird two really lovely men uh, we were at a school function and um the two of them were entrepreneurs and a third person walked up and they each and i was standing right there having a conversation with them and they each introduced themselves and each other to the third person and said oh that's so funny you're an entrepreneur you're an entrepreneur i'm an entrepreneur they both know that i'm an entrepreneur but it wasn't on their radar and i i walked away and thought should i be annoyed like how do i feel right now and my thought was they don't like they don't that's not how they see not just me like to take it personally but that's just not this is not in, in their paradigm to include me in that conversation for whatever reason i'm like a lovely mom that could be friends with their wife they they didn't see me truly as a, as a business person of of any size it didn't matter um, i would have absolutely had something to contribute to the conversation and i just thought oh that's inter like it's right in front of me and yeah. um, i don't know and i consider myself to be somewhat outspoken and pretty confident and i was at a loss for right. what to say or even how to feel in the moment so and to all of you who are younger than us you have a different paradigm that you're growing up in so the sky is the limit and we expect lots out of you so um okay this is for the three of you we are always looking for tips tools resources to better navigate our life can you each give us two they could be apps they can be things you do with pen and paper they can be whatever something you meditate on with anything we both i use paper calendar I also use digital, my assistant does digital things that I get alerts for all the time, but I use a paper calendar and I really love it. I have my month laid out in front of me. I have, it's just, that works for me. Um, that's one tip. Everyone here is like, no, thank you for that one. <laughs> um, but I really love it. It really works for me. Um, and, I, you know, I think just having an, a really great team around you. I mean, we, every, we, we usually have assistants for a very long time who are, um, very special to us, but we really expect them to manage up. And, you know, I'm, I, I have someone telling me it's time to go, time to go. We got to go next project. And it's really, really changed, you know, our ability to juggle so many things. So I don't really have very many apps on my phone. I'm not, we're not the most digital people. I wish if you guys have any apps, you could let me know after. Um, Sorry. No, it's okay. I think analog is good. Yay. We love analog. We both read an article a while ago about, um, and is to be honest, I only follow this like 50% of the time, but um, to try to get all your emails done in the beginning of the day and then really section off a certain time to be creative or tackle the task at hand and not pepper it throughout your day. Um, I kind of use the same thing when I'm at home with my kids, like I, so that they get all of me and sometimes it's five minutes and sometimes it's five hours, but that it's, um, really dedicated to that one thing. So I guess just kind of being present and make, giving yourself some hard and fast rules when it comes to time management. Um, every Sunday night, this assistant of ours 
uh, emails our weekly calendar, and at the bottom of it is a list of things that are outstanding that we need to do. So we always have a baseline. I find that that's, I kind of follow that throughout the week, and then I kind of create that same version for myself at home. Um, that's a good one. Yeah, it is good. It's just, and it's also not so overwhelming because you're just looking at seven days, and you can just, if that one thing doesn't get on the list, it just goes to the next week, and it's yeah. fine. Um, we drink a lot of water. <laughs> No, that's really lame, but we all of a sudden just started deciding that we needed to be much healthier, so we try to, like, do healthy things. And You guys need to start documenting your healthy things on Instagram, and we'll, I know. we'll do them with you. I know. We're not very good at social media because we... We I know, we get sorry. We are going to try to do better, but um, sometimes we're like we're actually just really working, and we don't think to actually do the so other. So you part. guys still do your own social? We have, help, we have help, but we don't provide the content to them that they are requiring. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good enough. I also just yeah. don't think we're as exciting. Like no one wants to see that, but I guess people like to see the mundane things that don't, that we all do and can relate to them. We want to see the people. But that yeah, we want to see the people. And then other advice would just be I don't know. I'm a pen and paper girl too. Just write lists and write lists. Um, and sometimes a stream of consciousness and ideas. And I take pictures of every cute brand I see and every good website I screenshot and every person I meet. I have their cards and you know they're always inform future projects so just record keep everything you see okay claire what do you got for us uh let's see um i also it's we just it's interesting because social media we have two accounts we have my account which i do all myself the claire claire vivier on instagram and then we have the shop Claire V on Instagram and we just had a call with Instagram yesterday and they said, well, why do you do that? You should have just had one account. And I was like, well, no, because I really wanted a personal account and it, the train was already way past gone the state from the station by the time we realized we should have con consolidated the two. But so I'm glad that we have two accounts because as they were just saying, there are days that go by that I can't post anything because I'm just, we're actually working and running companies and it takes a lot of time to do these things. Mm -hmm. Like every time you have to do a story and a, everything, it takes a lot of time. However, it's very important it's very important, and there's probably, if all of you guys are entrepreneurs, I just want to stress more than anything that at this point in time, this is how you're building your company. So devote time to it, because this is how you're going to, this is the marketing that you have at your fingertips, which we've never had before in our lifetimes, this kind of direct-to-consumer access, and the ability to tell the story of your brand direct is this is it this is we're living at a in a really special time right now we that's a very positive way of looking at it it's like it is a special time it's a great thing to be able to tell the story of your brand and be able to build it and have people come directly to your site to buy things so um i'm happy that we have our two um shop claire v and the claire vivier my own but obviously i can't do it every day um that's why i post a lot on the weekends because I, that's when I'm, I actually have time to do it. Because yeah. otherwise, I'm working. Um, but uh, the other apps, I don't, I don't really have any like life hacks or anything. There's what nothing. What do you do to keep yourself organized? Mm, I'm not that organized. <laughs> I, um, 
I if have. If you could see, there's two people over here that you guys laughing. can see who are They're laughing, laughing really at me. hard because they work here. <laughs> They're laughing at yeah. me. Um, I'm not that organized. I have an assistant. Again, as I was telling people earlier, like know your strengths, know what you're good at, know what you're not good at, know, know where you need your help. One of the things I realized is I can't keep track of all my appointments because I'm, I have too many things flying at me at the same time. So if, it, if you have someone that you can CC on all your things so that they're actually saying you have this appointment at 12 and you have this appointment at 2, otherwise you're going to be out of office and you're going to be doing other things. So um, know what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are too. That's very important. Um, so that's it. I need an assistant to, to help me. Okay. Like we all need an assistant. Assistant and a wife. That's what we're going to walk away with. Okay, this one is for all of you. If you could go back and say to your startup self or give your startup self one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, that's a really good one. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions because you'll never stop being a student. There's no shame in it. I'm still a student. I, we listen to podcasts every day and take notes. Um, <laughs> and don't take things personally ever. I'm definitely good at that now, but when you put something out creative in the world um, or a business idea or something, you know, you're, it, sometimes it doesn't work and move on to the next thing. So, um, and keep emails short and succinct and professional and like reread it again and just take out all the words that feel kind of weak and like personal and unnecessary to the subject because I think we have a tending, tendency to write like perhaps or maybe or, or um, I'm sorry just because it's ingrained in us as women and screw that, take them all out, <laughs> be direct um, and kind and uh, you'll get done what you need to get done quicker and with more respect. That's, That's awesome. A really good thing to remember. Yeah. Okay, Claire. What was your question? Speaking <laughs> <laughs> of remembering. Advice. Yeah, go back to, yeah, your startup. Your, that, oh, that, our startup selves. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was really good. Um, do you have something? I like how we got the questions in advance by that. Did I didn't read them, did I? <laughs> I didn't read them. Franny read them. Franny read them. <laughs> Alexis read them. <laughs> she printed them for me and Thank put them you. on my desk. Thank you. But it was a busy day today. Um, do you have something? Come on, Emily. You've I'll got think something I can tell. Hmm. Well, whatever Merritt said, I agree. Um, I mean, I think that don't take things personally is major. I think that that's come with experience and age. Um, mm. And I think when we were younger and starting out, and greener in what we were doing, we hung on so tightly to every step. And I think now, after all this experience, I think I w it's very easy to like, oh, that doesn't, it's not working, so let's move on to the next thing. And it just doesn't feel the same. Mm. Um, I think that this is advice. I don't know if I'd give this to, our, to myself because I don't think we did this, but don't look sideways. Um, always just stay where you are. It's kind of like what Claire was saying. Don't add studs to your bag if you don't believe in studs. Um, you just have to stay to your course. And I think as all the consulting jobs that we've done and all the brands that we've done, there's so much looking sideways at others um, where I just think stay laser focused on your what you believe in. And that would be my advice. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, a, that's often the advice that I give people that when I'm asked this question. However, I'm never, I'm not, 
particularly asked what I would tell myself. That's what threw me. What I give the advice that I give to other on, young entrepreneurs is to um, look look forward and don't look don't look at your competitors. Don't look at what other people are doing because comparing yourself will always make you'll always just feel bad. And you have a brilliant idea. Just follow it and. It's going to be unique and it's going to be your own interpretation of it if you just keep take, putting one foot in front of the other and stop thinking about what somebody else is doing. So that's what I would say to someone else. What I would say to my old self, I don't really remember. I don't remember what was going on back then, what I needed to know. Was there anything that you did too much of or hung on to or were afraid of? Oh, my gosh. I just... I love looking back at those days because the naivete that you have mm. and it leads to a fearlessness, I love that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I was really, truly fearless and just... There was nothing to lose. There was nothing yeah. to lose and I loved that. And I don't, I don't know that I would change anything or I would tell myself to do something differently. I think I love that period back then when I was really quite fearless and entrepreneurial, which you guys probably all are. Well, I think what's cool in you saying that is that for those of us who are in that kind of startup stage that, that aren't feeling comfortable in our own skin or something's not working is that there's something actually really sweet about that season and that it's propelling us in a different way to identify something that's next for us. You guys talked a lot about kind of doing the next thing, and one thing led to another. Yeah, I love that. That's the other thing I always say is say yes to as many things as possible. And all these positions that you have, all these jobs that you have while you're starting your own business on the side, they're all helpful, and they're all mm -hmm. going to be part and parcel of where you're going to end up one day with your business. That's awesome. Thank you. Okay, so we don't ever end our podcast without asking our quick six. So they're just six fun questions you just, first word that comes to mind. Um, no, these are, these are easy, easy. These are easy, easy, easy. They're fun. They're just a way for us to get to know you a little bit. Okay. Um, Merit, do you prefer a nine to five or a flex schedule? Flex, flex schedule. Okay. Claire? Uh, nine to five. Okay. Emily? But it's more like nine to six. Okay. <laughs> flex. Flex schedule. Okay. Just you keep the mic, yeah. Emily. Would you rather vacation in the mountains or on the beach? The beach. Okay, Claire. Beach, but more city. Where is that? I'm not. So I will go to Paris before the beach. Oh, I don't okay. Care. Okay, I not go, a city on right. the beach. Uh, not the mountains, okay, okay, not okay, the beach. Okay. I will go to city. London or Paris. To go shopping, yeah. not the Tate. Okay, we got it. And then, okay, yeah. Oh, beach, beach, beach. for sure. And then, okay, Merit, work from home or office? Office. I'm too distracted at home. Office, I love the people around me, and it's very stimulating, and I like for everyone also to work from nine to six or seven. <laughs> <laughs> Office. Office. Okay, this is, I think, oh, no, wait. Um, would you rather work with a team or alone? Team. Yeah. Team. Team. Love team. Love it. Definitely team. Definitely team. Yeah. And then this is the one that I think is the hardest. Ready? Mm-hmm. Tire Mexican food. Oh, nachos all day long. Nachos. But everyone knows this about me. Are there Thai nachos? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, probably. Yeah, okay. It is LA. There's a food yeah. truck, surely, with Thai nachos. Yeah. I'm Mexican. I'm Mexican, so yeah. I'm going to say Mexican. Okay. Food. Mexican. Mexican. You're like nodding before yeah. I even get to you. Okay. Um, I'm Thai, so oh. I still love, I still love you guys. Thai food. Um, 
And then this question. So our podcast is called Liberty Sessions. Our newly launched um, editorial journal is called Liberty. Is that one on the cover? And our brand is called Liberty. What does it mean for you guys to be liberated? Go ahead, Emily. Um, well, it means a lot of things, but it, I feel like it's meant a lot of things differently over the years. But I think now at the age I am and what I'm going through in my life, um, I feel like being liberated for me is not being as self-aware as I was as I, when I was younger and just being me and doing me. And I feel like that feels liberating. That's a lovely answer. I feel the same. I feel like I love the age that I am now because I feel I don't I don't care so much. And I, I, I love to impart that upon the younger people who work with me as well because I do see the, myself in them when I was their age and I and I try to tell them like you don't don't care about that. You're you're lovely and amazing the way you are and just be who you are and I and I I love that age has imparted that on me. Uh being liberated is uh, overcoming a fear and then uh embracing that and yeah, I guess just having, I mean, I, we, I have fears for sure, but way less and different ones than I did when I was younger. But it's definitely liberating for that to not be a roadblock. And again, I think that comes with age and experience. But um, yeah. Liberty is a really loaded. It's a very loaded word. I mean, we could, all, every one of us could talk for a long time about what it means to be liberated. I, I think it's we're a good all, name for a magazine, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very so good. Too. Um, Thank you, guys. Thank you for liberating us through your example. Thanks for um, showing us how to consider our own possibilities. Thanks for leading the way in entrepreneurial women and breaking the barriers, the two million plus mark of women who will be written about. And it won't just be that we're launching at record pace. It's that we're succeeding at record pace. So thank you for the example that you provided and provide. Thank, Thank you, you everyone. All. Thanks, Emily and Merritt. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty For Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower. 